Hey, welcome to the Knowles 24-7 Podcast. This is Brendan Sinone. Joining me in typing currently is Chris Nee. If you hear someone coughing and dying, that, that's him. I'm here for you. For and us. And everyone. And we have, we have Josh, and we have his attention for about 20 minutes uh, on the Skype right now. So we're going to try to keep him engaged and move this as quickly as possible. There's obviously a lot to get to. It's been a while since we've done a podcast, so we're probably a little bit rusty. But uh, we're here, and... Well, there's been some uh, some activity, and Josh, I'll uh, I'll hand it off to you here. Walt Bell left to take UMass's uh, head coaching job, so FSU is in the market for an offensive coordinator. Uh, here, as we record this on what is it Wednesday afternoon? Uh, where where do things stand? Florida State is still in search of an offensive coordinator. Um, we reported yesterday that there was there's really three names of interest um, that I was ready to put out, and that's Hugh Freeze, Kendall Bryles, and Cliff Kingsbury. About eight hours after the article went up, or maybe not even eight hours after the article went up, that explained Cliff Kingsbury was a long shot, but just that somebody that we knew Florida State was going to at least reach out to to gauge interest as they should. Um, Brian or uh, Kingsbury took the job at USC and was quickly off the board. Um, but even prior to that, we identified Hugh Freeze, former Ole Miss head coach, as the primary candidate. Um, I still believe that he is. Uh, Kendall Bryles was another name mentioned in there. I still believe he's a name of interest. Um, but as far as Hugh Freeze goes, I mean, Florida State walked into a situation that they're very familiar with, which is having an offensive coordinator position open the same, same time as Alabama has an offensive coordinator position open. So um, we, saw, we saw how that one worked out for, for Florida State last year. It's tough to go head-to-head against Bama. Yeah, and there's also yeah. Liberty's head coaching position in play, too. And after – in the report, I wrote that Florida State would like to get this hire done quickly. A year ago at this time, Willie Taggart had all the patience in the world. He was in no rush to make hires. Um, I, this time I was reporting the staff probably wouldn't be complete until – January, um, which was which is how it shook out. However, talking to sources close to this uh, hiring process, I was told directly that a hire, you know, I wasn't given an exact timetable, but I was basically given the sooner the better speech. And um, I think that was all on pace to happen until about 24 hours into the coaching search for FSU, the Alabama job. So now we wait. Um, if you're Hugh Freeze, and, you know, and I understand Florida State fans' frustration. You want to get an offensive coordinator in here that's going to help recruit. It's going to kind of stabilize the program. And it's like, damn, Alabama opened again. But that's just kind of how it is. And, and you can understand the frustration, but you also have to understand it from Hugh Freeze's angle. That he has no, he has no incentive to jump headfirst in and sign a contract with either FSU or Alabama. Um, as Chris said, the Liberty jobs out there. Hell, even the Tennessee OC job is out there floating around. Um, all of this can create leverage for, for a guy like Hugh Freeze, who's in demand. Um, so I expect him to talk to everybody, to listen to everybody, to see what they're willing to pay and what they're willing to give him contract-wise, um, whether it be years or money. Um, so I think that's exactly what we're seeing right now is kind of a slowdown in the process. Um, Florida State could choose to go in a different direction, which I'm sure Willie Taggart does, just doesn't have his sole focus on Hugh Freeze. But I do think that this is going to slow down my initial timetable of when I thought a deal could get done. 
And now that you said that and we're on a podcast, it will happen immediately. <laughs> yeah. yeah. As we're recording this at, what is it, 1 o'clock or so on Wednesday, it'll probably, by the time it's, we're done recording and posted, uh, stuff's happening. Whether they, Chris, you just reported that they've moved up their visit with uh, Sam Howell, so that's... No, Josh reported. Josh that. I can't remember who's Get doing it right, I don't know who's doing what. It's been a chaotic 48 hours. I, uh, I talked to somebody I've trusted on a lot of things over the years, and he made the point. It's very commonsensical, but it's true. When you're dealing with Jimmy Sexton, Jimmy Sexton's the main moving piece in all of this. Uh, he controls all the pieces. He essentially right now has at least three schools, FSU, Alabama, and Liberty, all dealing with the same negotiations for an unemployed coach. And possibly at the same time. Right. So it's just Chris, like... Chris, remember remember Jimmy Sexton also represents Jim Pruitt. Yeah. And, and, Willie and, and Willie Taggart. Last last year when Jimbo left, and when I say he left, when he left like into his car and drove away, Jimmy Sexton said goodbye. Chris and I saw it and then immediately went to the president's office and started negotiating Willie Taggart's contract. As we learn every year this at this, this time, works. it is great to be Jimmy Sexton. <laughs> it's amazing. Just battles people against each other. I, I think the dynamic at play, or at least one that's interesting, and we can confidently say that that they've talked to Hugh Freeze and they're within negotiations. But uh, as we said, Alabama OC has opened up. Tennessee OC has been open. Uh, and then Liberty Hugh Freeze is a former head coach who wants to get back to being a head coach, and I think he's vetting you know, the options to get there. Liberty, I don't think, is a very attractive head coaching job, probably the least of, of any in FBS, but you got to weigh uh, what's your quickest route to get back there, uh, how does that fit you know, with what you can do at different programs, how much you – know, Basically, how much control does he get over the offense? Uh, those are all things at play that I'm sure he's trying to figure out, and FSU has to sell him if, if they do want Hugh Freeze yeah. as, well, a, as a path Brandon, to get back. You made a great point. And, um, this Thank is you. This is something that back in the day James Cole used to always talk to me about when discussing the coaching search process. He said, you can figure out a coaching search if you know that coach's goals and that coach's dreams. So if you know that Hugh Freeze is wants to become a head coach again, that's his goal. You got to think like Hugh Freeze. What's the most logical way to become a head coach again? What has Alabama Al- done with their coordinator position over the last four or five years? Yeah, yeah, they're the farm system of next head coaches. I mean, look so at look at it this if way. If you're Hugh Freeze, you have to you have to think that Alabama is your primary focus. If if Alabama is indeed interested in him, I mean, look at it this way: right. is, is FSU's offensive coordinator just got a head coaching job at UMass. Alabama's just got a head coaching job at Maryland. That should tell you right now in the coaching world. And again, it depends on on autonomy and how much you know, how much control you have. And but you those know, coordinator positions at Alabama have just churned out head coaches. Yeah, it's, if you're playing if you're playing the odds game, that seems to be the smartest one. Just like if you're a recruit, you know, you have. If you're a blue chip kid, Alabama makes the most sense because it gives you the best odds to go to the NFL. It's kind of the same logic. That's the the plus side of being Alabama. It's been unfortunate for FSU. They've had coordinator jobs open the last two years in a row, and, and that's Alabama has kind of been a roadblock at both uh, both times. Yeah, they set the market, and everybody else has to react to that. And I can understand the frustration from Florida State fans, but I think Florida State fans also just – you know, it's it's kind of common sense if you really think about it. Oh, real quick, and we won't belabor the point here on Walt Bell. Um, he goes to UMass. Can't blame a guy for getting a, a head coaching job. Um, 
Even if it's UMass? Even if it's UMass, an FBS head coaching job, he's not a whole lot older than I am. That's pretty awesome for him. It's a it's a pay decrease, though. But I guess what was interesting is, is you know, we had heard some grumblings about uh, him not being happy and it just not maybe being a great fit as the season progressed. And I think, you know, the results on the field kind of indicated there <laughs> why there would be frustration. But afterwards, kind of seeing that, that there were, you know, players that weren't necessarily too uh, too broken up about the change and uh, kind of points that maybe a little bit of a friction or I don't want to say dysfunction, but just just things needing to be altered for Willie Taggart. And I think it's interesting that he's looking to hire a proven commodity, someone he's willing to turn the entire offense over to, which was completely opposite of where he stood a year ago when he was hired at this time. Almost to the day. When was he hired? It was December 6th. Anyways, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. In 12 months, we went from a head coach who wanted to have his fingerprints all over the offense to a head coach who's becoming more and more like a CEO. Which I think makes sense. Initially, that was what you were thinking <coughs> was the Dabo Sweeney kind of blueprint. Yeah, um, the more, so, the more here, Here's how stark of a contrast um, last year to this year is. One year, well, one year ago today, Willie Taggart wanted to be the QB coach, the play caller, in the head coach. He basically was going to, he wasn't going to hire a QB coach and he was going to put an extra body on defense. A year later, he's basically moved himself into a CEO role. He went from a position coach to a CEO in one year. Should have put an extra defender on defense. Yeah, I mean, and um, I think it's important for FSU to get as many smart people in the room as they can too. And by smart, I mean experience, been through the fires, understand Power 5 football, all of the things that come along with getting ready for a Saturday afternoon. All right. All right. uh, I think the other thing that people want to – I got a a very nice text from Walt Bell last night. Did you guys? Nope. No. We don't – we're not in the same hair club. (laughs) I won't be seeing Walt Bell at the salon anymore. Is that what you're saying? Your ten-hour barbershop visits are gonna have to. Uh, you're gonna have to find new people to hang out with. Yeah. All right. Anyway, um, let's, let's talk about Sam Howell real quick. Uh, yes. And I think that's some people want to know. And obviously, Walt Bell and Sam Howell were pretty well connected together. I, I think if Larry Fedora had not gotten fired at UNC the minute that Walt Bell left FSU, there's a very good chance Sam Howell would have flipped to Carolina. The fact that Larry Fedora is no longer there, I think, very much changes the dynamics. He's a kid that's so based on relationships, and both of his major relationships, Larry Fedora and Walt Bell, are now in situations that are not appealing to him as a quarterback. One's unemployed, and the other one works for UMass. So at this point, it's about what's the best option, what's the option you know the best. I think that's far to state. I think things will get smooth over when Willie and company go in the house. I think he and his parents are still going to be attentive to the offensive coordinator hire, but as long as it's not a blundering mess by FSU – I think at the end of the day, we see Sam sign with FSU. Yeah, I agree with Chris. Um, I think Florida State's very lucky with what how it transpired with Fedora being fired. Um, I do think they would have lost Sam. Um, I think they're lucky that there's no other teams involved right now, that it is just UNC that's been the primary threat and really the only threat as it stands, like, what, 10, 12, 15 days out from signing day. But anyway... Um, yeah, I, I think it's definitely trending in Florida State's direction. And at this point, I would be surprised if Sam Howell did not sign with FSU. And I agree with Josh, who agreed with Chris. I had I heard about a week or two ago that 
FSU staff had done a good job of, of kind of selling to Sam Howell. So basically selling Willie Taggart and, and his vision for the offense if Walt Bell wasn't there. And that wasn't to say that he for sure wasn't going to be there, but they had made him comfortable to the idea, at least maybe more so than than people uh, outside of the situation would believe. I've always found the Bell thing with him to be weird. Bell was never a long-term guy here. Yeah. He always wanted to move up, whether it was getting out because he was concerned his career might get torpedoed by FSU or moving out because FSU has helped elevate his career. Either which way, he was going to get out. Maybe not year one, like it happened so quickly. But it was always something we expected by year two, maybe year three at long. We jokingly so, set it over under like at two and a half years, yeah, I think, so, before. Like, I, I get you have a connection. You can go in the door. You'll get comfortable at the place you're at. You'll get to know the entire staff, and you have that one main connection. I get it. But at the end of the day, Walt Bell was never going to be Sam Howell's lifetime coordinator. So I've always found that weird. And same with Fedora. I mean, hell, it's the same with any coach. No coach in this day and age is guaranteed more than like two, three years in the future unless their name is Nick Saban who runs the SEC. You know, it just doesn't exist. I've always found that as an odd part of the situation with Sam, but it's a true part of it. He's very much a relationship-based kid, he and his family. see that recruiting across the board it's always preached don't pick a coach pick a school but recruitment after recruitment uh they pick the relationship i mean it's, it's hard because the relationship's the tangible thing in front of you it's the person you communicate with um i think with all intentions kids commit to schools but i i don't in reality i don't think that really happens all right so what else do we want to talk about it's been only like 14 minutes it's been rapid fire i like it josh has somewhere to go we got we got seven more minutes of josh time well in general recruiting i would say that they're busting their backside they're working hard um they've done a good job of keeping what they have in the boat in the boat i think renardo green is probably the most uh interesting the one to watch down the stretch here i think before urban uh, decided to retire in quotations from Ohio State that, you know, it was a fair chance the kid was going to Columbus. I think there's still that possibility, but I think it's become a lot less in the last 24 hours than it was. Yesterday, all of a sudden, he tells me he's taking an official to FSU on the 14th, something he had not previously let be known. So we'll see how that goes that week, and FSU will still have some work to do. But if they can retain him, they've got kind of the base of what they're going to sign in this class or what they have committed. And they're working on a lot of, you know, we see a lot of Juco offensive line action currently. Josh is going to hit more on that with a piece he's working on with all the recent offensive line offers and interests. Um, you know, the Josh Ball situation exists, which we've touched on in the past. That's ultimately a university decision. We'll see what happens there. It's clear that he and FSU football are both mutually interested in bringing him back in, but ultimately it's not either of their calls. And then, the other part is just kind of filling needs and making sure you have solid plan B's of plan A's go sideways. Malcolm Ray at D-Tackle with Tyler Davis is an example of that. And they've got a lot of those guys lined up. As of right now, I'm not sure to bringing anybody in this weekend. Um, I think some of that is they intend to go to state championships. And then December 14th weekend, you know, I think the list we currently have is at like 15. It wouldn't surprise me if it swells upwards of 20. How did yeah. you, you get through that all without coughing? It's impressive. I only cough when I try to breathe. Josh, your thoughts on the big uh, December 14th recruiting weekend? Uh, we don't anticipate anything this weekend, correct? As of right now. Yeah, as of right now. As we record this podcast. As this podcast is scheduled to become obsolete in the next hour. Yeah. Yeah, no, um, 
I, I don't anticipate any visitors as of today, right now, but um, yeah, big weekend coming up. Riveting, riveting. All right, we lost, we've lost Josh. Uh, December 14th is obviously the weekend then that we're going to uh, be previewing more in depth. No, obviously not right now because we're still getting names and there's yeah. a lot of fluidity. Uh, I mean, right now it's pretty much all the commitment list that hasn't yet visited with the exception of Brendan Gant. Gant can't come in that weekend because of the scheduling conflict. He's not, uh, he's not enrolling early, I believe, so he's planning to come in January is what he's previously told me. You got targets like Raymond Woody, a guy that most of us expect to end up in FSU's class coming in. He may go somewhere this weekend at last check. He didn't know what that destination would be. Then you have a Juco offensive lineman like Jay Williams. is supposed to go see him tomorrow. Texas is getting him in this weekend. FSU will get him next weekend. It's going to be a battle between them and a couple others. Malcolm Ray, who we've mentioned, USF commitment from down south. I think FSU has a great shot of flipping him. Sam Williams, an old Miss defensive end commitment from the Juco ranks. He'll be a bit of a tough pull. He's an Alabama kid, committed to Ole Miss. We'll see. FSU's going to make their play there. He visited Ole Miss last weekend, came out at visit with the plan still on books for FSU, which is a good thing. FSU, uh, you know, or I'm sorry, not FSU. Ole Miss intended to make a push to try to get him to kind of end it and be done, and he has not done that. So that's a positive. And then Dewan Jones is a kid that's supposed to be in the 15th. He's got a lot going on in his recruitment and a limited amount of visits because of a couple of basketball officials he took before he blew up as a football prospect. So he's kind of got to be selective. But as of right now, FSU is the expectation for next weekend, and he is supposed to sign early. So it would be very good for FSU to get him in. As I understand, he and his mother are looking for a warm climate place for him to play college ball. So he may leave Big Ten country even though Michigan, Ohio State, and others of that sort are interested in him. And USC is one of the other options yeah, for him, too. Yeah, and he's correct. already officially visited there. I think Mississippi State, hey, TCU, or a couple of players. Hey, i got to take this call. Bye, Josh. All right, see Do you think he actually got a phone call? No, I think yeah, he made it up. Yeah, I think he did, too. It's a good move on his on his yeah, part, though. Good for him. I'm proud of him. He's getting better at this. 18 minutes, though, is pretty good. Yeah. All right, so we'll, we'll wrap up here. Um <clears throat> I guess before we go, some some final trends that people should be looking for or following on the recruiting trail. It's been, it, I guess, interesting to me that it's been so fluid because of uh, one uh, coaching change, maybe more coaching changes, uh, and just you know coming off a, a bad season. Uh, I guess what should people be looking for here with with positions they're targeting, uh, more offers coming out. I guess what are they trying to accomplish here in the next few weeks before early signing period? Numero uno on that list is keep how. Yeah. You keep quarterback, you're, you're very safe there. You'll probably try to add a second one after the early signing period maybe to improve that room, especially if something happens with the current room. You know, a guy like Francois or Blackman decide to move on. Um, so there's that. That's first on the list. I think offensively the next thing is offensive line. you got to bulk that up between high school kids and JUCO kids. You kind of just keep spreading the offers to kids you think can play here who can help you. You get as many in that you can get in early who are signing early. And then you have the backup plans. We've seen that with uh, Kadeem Telfort, Josh Cooper, a couple of Juco kids that Greg went to see this week. They're both on the books for January 25th. They're not early signings. They're kids that will come in later. And then Desmond Bland, another kid who originally was coming in this week, because he's no longer a mid-year enrollee, they've pushed it to January. So you kind of have the backup plans. Those are guys that are Juco's very talented guys. But if you can get something better in the early signing period, you can always move on from them. But if you miss in the early signing period, you have preparations made. Then on the defensive side of the ball, you know, hit on a D-tackle. I think we all think Malcolm Ray's sort of that guy right now. Defensive end, you know, if you miss on Kayvon, which I think they will, 
Alabama or Oregon. I think it's going to be the winner of that one. It's still a little interesting. I don't think that was completely put to bed, truthfully. Mm-hmm. But I believe Alabama and Oregon are both in a better spot as of today than FSU to land them. But FSU's still in that. Yeah, That's going to come down to those final visits next week after he gets back from UF where he's taking an official this weekend. You miss on him, then you look at a guy like Sam Williams, a junior college prospect we referenced. There's some other guys that they're keeping warm. Linebacker, kind of similar to offensive line. Spread a wide net. Yep. You know, make sure you close with Deloach. Make sure you close with McCray. I think both of those will be locked up, sealed, and delivered. You need probably another two to three. A kid like Lakia Henry, he's a Tennessee commitment. They're going to try to maybe bring him in the 14th. He could get pushed January. I don't believe he's a mid-year signing in Rowley. So they could play that one off a little bit. Then you have James Gordon, a Minnesota commitment mm-hmm. from Central Florida. They've you know kicked the tires on that, offered him. We'll see. Miami's trying to pursue him too. And truthfully, from what I understand, he's actually fairly solid in Minnesota. He, he feels very faithful to them because they were in on him so early. And he's kind of wondering why the hell the big three are now just coming knocking to his door. Almost made it. And then, you know... <laughs> The next biggest part of the defense, and the only other part we haven't talked about, is the secondary. Mm-hmm. Keep Akeem Dent. He's arguably second most important guy in your class, I would say, after Sam Howell, as far as just pure talent and filling a major need. So keep Akeem Dent in the fold. Add guys like Raymond Woody, you know, pursuing Marcus Banks, who officially visited. That's going to be a tough one to beat out Alabama or Texas A&M for. And then just keep going there. Now, I mean, they're looking to bring six to seven DBs. They have four. I feel confident Woody might end up here, so that's five. You still got another spot or two you can fill. So there's work to be done there. Jarvis Brownlee, we'll see how his schedule, his visit schedule works out. His teammate Malcolm Ray tells me that he's coming on the 14th. Jarvis won't confirm that. Jarvis is currently on the books for UCF this weekend in Miami, where he's committed next weekend. So we'll see how that all plays out. So there's a lot of moving pieces, but they're they've done a good job of. Making first and foremost, making sure to keep what they have, mm-hmm. which saves you a lot of work on the back end. Mm-hmm. Then, secondly, trying to get a lot of early signing period type kids that they like that they think can help them, working hard on getting them in for visits, trying to close the deal on them. And then you get the early signing period, you see what happens. And in January, you have the backup plans or the guys that you liked who simply weren't in a rush, you know, maybe a George Pickens, for example, not expected to sign early. Um, who knows what Jaden Hazel will do? He'll probably commit at the Army game. At the end of the day, I don't think that's FSU. I think that's Miami-Georgia battle at the end of the day. So we'll see how it all plays out. And, you know, they're making the effort. But trying to sell a five and seven season, you're having coaching changes. There's plenty working against you. So it's a tough task for them at hand. Do you think they've been pretty organized? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I, I think they've been very aggressive but not stupid. They're not just offering a kid because he has two legs and two arms. Mm-hmm. They're trying to find guys that can help him be better. They're also trying to do research on guys and make sure they're the kind of guys they want to bring in this program. For the most part, I don't want to sound hypocritical because we can have the Josh Brown moral debate. I'm not going to do that, but we could have that debate. Mm-hmm. But Josh Brown's because they're desperate. Ball. I'm sorry. Thank you. Josh Ball. <laughs> sorry, Josh <laughs> I thought- Brown. Didn't mean to say <laughs> you meant Josh Ball. Josh Ball is sort of a... I thought you said to, I thought you said ball at first, but it was kind yeah, of. Yeah, I might have said But to keep it simple, it's sort of a desperation move. But yeah. I think we all understand the desperation, the moral part of it. Whatever, that's not for me to decide. I'm not going to be your normal media member who acts like a moral police. It's not my place. It's what FSU to university academics to decide. Ultimately, with him, but we understand why they're doing that. But they also have the others, the Jay Williams of the world, the Kadeem Kadeem Telfords. 
you know, other guys, I'm gonna, I'm gonna Josh pull, I'm going to pull the plug on you soon. All those guys, they have seen. plenty of plan Bs, <laughs> and I don't mean plan B and they're not as talented. I mean, if something falls through, they have these guys lined up to be the next guy in line. Mm-hmm. Jay Williams in no way is a plan B. Jay Williams is a kid they desperately want, and they would like to secure, secure for the early signing period. So I think they've done a good job at linebacker. It's kind of tough because there's just not a ton of really good ones. It's not a strong year there. Yeah. I mean, they, they desperately want more physical athletes at linebacker. Mm-hmm. So they can go and recruit a lot of linebackers, but they'll be huggers and guys that don't do a lot for them. They want guys that can hit you devastatingly and finish plays effectively. So it kind of limits your options. You have to find that type who's available, who's capable of being recruited, and that's a tough task. You know, we can all go back and have 2020 hindsight saying Nicobe Dean and pursuits like that were foolish. They wasted time on it. But Nicobe Dean's a game changer, which is why they pursued him. And they moved on. They haven't hung on to the belief in Nicobe Dean for over four to six weeks. Mm-hmm. They've realized they had to move on. The issue is moving on at this point of the year. The options are limited, so they have to find the right guy. So it's a difficult task for them. But no, in general, I think they've had a good plan. There's plenty of things we can complain about them being in disarray with how the season went. I don't think recruiting is one of those things. I think between guys like David Kelly, Tilly Lockett, others who kind of have a mindset of recruiting with the people in the office of Bob Lasavitas of the world mm-hmm. and his support staff in that office, that they've executed a plan of trying to get a lot of capable football players into this program. They're not looking for guys just to fill scholarships. They're looking for guys who they believe are all pros in the future. All right. I think that's a good note to, to end this on. I want to pull the plug before you uh... – Die and, and, then, and then yeah, the, the Josh getting a phone call. Imagine if this is the last pod I ever do. This is you. This will be the phone call you make to hear my voice in the afterlife. With the Knowles twenty four seven podcast, this is Brendan Sinone. Thanks to Chris and Josh for joining me, guys. Five star <laughs> <laughs> sticking the landing. <coughs> Gross. <laughs>